1: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Y'all, we are already at the end of March. I don't know how that flew by, but we are here in the SWBC podcast studio here at the beautiful and cloudy star in Frisco. (laughs) Uh, Some sunshine would be a little bit nice today, but... How are you doing? I'm Jess Navarro. I'm your host for today. Haley Sutton is enjoying a nice, well-deserved vacation. So I'm joined by Christy Scales, Aisha Morrison, over here to my right. We play musical chairs when everybody shifts around. It's very weird looking at you to my right. <laughs> it's It's... Something I can't get used to yet. But um, how are you guys doing? How How was the last week since we talked? Christy, how are you doing? You went to see an incredible show yesterday. Yeah, yeah. some of the a couple of friends on
2: Cowboys Cheerleaders see Moulin Rouge. It's a huge week. I know yeah. for you, Jess, uh, Taylor Swift oh at, uh, oh, don't get me at AT&T Stadium this weekend. And, of course, today is opening day for uh, Texas Rangers. So yeah. headed out there this afternoon. But a lot going on. But I feel so much better because uh, the re-signing of Jonathan Hankins. It may not be, Mm. uh, you know, on the crawl and on all of the national shows, right, sports shows, but – uh, that's a significant signing for the Cowboys and really going to help the defense.
1: Yeah, let's jump right in because Aisha, you were the first person I thought of when I saw the yeah. news break of this signing. Uh, Girls Talk, Boys Talk is officially three for three at our sales pitches with Jerry Jones. I was about to say, they must have hired me. It was short, it was sweet, <laughs> they but did. they must have heard me. Front office heard you loud and clear. Jonathan <laughs> Hankins back to the Dallas Cowboys on a one-year deal worth about, give or take, about $1.5 million. Keep in mind, this is Hankins' 11th season overall, his second with Dallas. Here's something that really stood out to me when I was looking at his statistics. He only played five games last season and he was that impactful to where he was at the top of Cowboys Nation's wish list, if you will, of free agents to bring back. So let's get to it because his stats, 10 combined total tackles, his stat sheet isn't what made him an impact player. So Aisha, what does Hankins give the defense overall as a whole? What is this re-signing, uh, this welcome back, if you will, what does it do for this Dan Quinn defense, and how does it solidify them going into next season? Well,
3: it's kind of like a cherry on top to me with them bringing back Donovan Wilson, you know, Leighton Van Just kind of how they have attacked uh, adding Stephon Gilmore, how they've attacked keeping this defense together. If it's not broke, don't fix it. We'll and like say it. And so now that they have a foundation they can build upon that, and I also think it's important with with Hankins in particular. He allows those defensive ends, which could be considered the Cowboys' you know defensive strength at the at their front seven. He allows them to to get after the quarterback freely. He takes on double teams. He takes on a lot of the trash. And what he does is specific. It's difficult to do. A lot of guys cannot do it in the league. And it takes time to get to that point to where you do it well. To where people value that so much. It's not he's not so much of a pass rush guy, but who cares? Like he's there to take up space, Big Hank. And he's a, such a dope dude. He's such a nice guy also too. He sat. He'll talk to you about the game. Very glad to have him back in this this uh, locker room and to continue this foundation that this defense is, like, building in a way or they have built – I'm excited for him to be back, man. Oh,
1: yeah. Christy, what does Hankins do for the run defense? How does this solidify that you're not going to see a, a drop off in that run defense? Like, you know, we, we pretty much did see a bit of a drop off when Hankins and LVE were out. How does this, how does he help exactly? Break it down hmm. for us. What does he do to kind of stop that run defense from being the kryptonite of the defense overall?
2: I think the happiest person after this signing of Hankins <laughs> yep. is, is Leighton Vanderish. Exactly. It is hey. Leighton. Along with Dan Dan Quinn, Leighton Vanderush. I would be throwing a party. And then I were, third after If I that. were Leighton. Uh, no, here's the thing. <laughs> and When you say foundation, I, I think that's a, a very apt metaphor. Picture a, a pyramid, or better yet, picture a, a Jenga tower. Ooh, okay? Okay. And the Jenga tower is your defense. And Jonathan Hankins is that block in the bottom middle. And if you pull that out, if you mm. don't have that strong one, if it's gone, what's going to happen? the tower will collapse. Mm. Another another metaphor yeah. I'd like to use, and I was thinking about it driving here today for this podcast, is coming out of my neighborhood, there's an elementary school, kind of like in the middle of the block. Sure. And of course, you have to go 20 miles an hour when you get there. But before you get there, cars would tear down that that street. And so what they did is they put in three different sets of speed bumps hmm. and a defensive tackle your job is to be a human speed bump. Talk about oh, that, Christy. Say that, you're Christy. on fire this morning. So, so that's the thing, Hankins. You, you talk about Jess about the the stat line. Is it? Yeah. And, and Aisha talks about doing all the trash, right? And that's what it is. You're you're not going to make every tackle. You cannot measure a defensive tackle's worth by uh, tackles yep. or sacks, mm. but by like you say, tying people up, tying up the offensive linemen. Uh, and uh, creating space for the people uh, behind you linebacker if it's Donovan Wilson coming up making a play Absolutely if uh right. if Micah Parsons is going to do something you know if he's playing back instead of sure. rushing off the edge so uh I think it's a really really big deal to have uh, Jonathan Hankins now we know that he had the pectoral injury last yeah. year and missed some time in December but was able to come back and and uh add two postseason games to that resume but uh this is this is a big deal uh, literally and
1: figuratively
3: oh yeah yeah and when I mean I was talking to somebody about it yesterday because of how the 49ers game went down you just forget how dominant the Cowboys defense was I mean Christian McCaffrey wanted to go home he did not I'm just being like they really took it to them defensively and so and we got to see a, to me a little glimpse of what this run defense can be when they're all together mm-hmm. because there were different instances where they weren't you know where they were the different guys were injured and stuff but when yeah. you got to see it all come together, you were like, oh man, they actually have something also too just the standard of what DQ is asking for yeah schematically. You know, just knowing that the guys know where they're supposed to be, they know, and that allows them to play fast, as they all talk about, all the coordinators talk about is playing fast. And so, I also think that's important too, is that he understands the scheme and the job that he's supposed to do, his role in this defense, which is not nothing flashy, but it is important to what they need. Oh, yeah. it's and, so
1: important. And,
3: and one I, last thing is yeah. so
2: affordable too. Oh my I mean, goodness! Yeah, yes. that, that, that's, that's huge, right? Because oh, yeah. you're paying the big guy, you know, yep. big money on the back end, but if you don't have that Django block at the bottom to hold the Mm -hmm. whole stack up then doesn't matter what you pay the guys on the upper part if the bottom if the whole tower is going to collapse because you don't have a solid foundation Mm -hmm. on the bottom
1: and what i loved uh we'll get into more of what Stephen and jerry jones had to say um this week at the nfl owners meeting but what i loved that he mentioned Stephen jones specifically is that with building this team comes with keeping your guys, because if you lose a guy, then that's another spot you have to worry about filling, whether it be in free agency or drafting a guy. But what I love so much about this is I, I feel like Jonathan Hankins became such a staple part of our defense or the Cowboys defense, rather that I forgot he only played five games and that i don't know how, but to me, it feels like he just has been here so much longer, even just talking to him in the locker room. He's somebody that just has such a presence to himself, and um, he was one of the guys that I really, I know, personally enjoyed talking to because he w- he just was so easygoing, easy to talk to, easy to ask questions, but uh, very happy for him, and also happy for the other re-signings and one new addition uh, that has happened since we talked last week. So let's go over that. Uh, this includes defensive end Dante Fowler, who had six sacks last season was a tackle for loss machine keep in mind he had seven tackles for loss and he was just a beast so uh happy to see him come back defensive end tack mckinley who was a practice squad member never actually got elevated uh to that 53 man roster but exciting to see what maybe he could be productive with this season uh if getting the chance to be elevated and then you have the long snapper situation that was mm-hmm. addressed uh with trent sig who is going into his sixth season He's been with the Raiders uh, for the last five seasons, and so we talk about special teams all the time on this podcast how important it is Christy I really wanted you to break down how important the long snapper position really is and why it was so important to get that addressed as quickly as possible after losing Jake McQuaid to the Bills
2: yeah I remember one of the uh, conversations we had back in like September October was about the speed of the snap and Mm -hmm. the operation and everything and the 1.8 and all that kind of stuff um for the snap hold kick but um I, I will say I, I'm worried about kickers. <laughs> you know, what I mean, because yeah. Maher has not been resigned, we and are uh, right I, there I was with you. I was disappointed to see Matt Gay get away and sign with uh, Indianapolis because he would have been a great addition. But anyway. Um, yeah, it all starts with that, because if you don't have a, a good snap, it doesn't matter uh, how great a holder Brian Anger is or who your kicker is. Um, so that that's a big deal to have at least that part taken care of. Um, but the fact that if you don't get a kicker in here and you don't get that operation a chance to practice throughout the offseason and then early in camp, uh, that would be a concern that we will address in August or September. But yeah, that's a big deal. Um Re-signing CJ Goodwin yeah. is a huge deal. It's because, a good win. Oh, it really oh, is. For, he's a great guy, <laughs> great the veteran. Put that on here. He's like another coach. And you didn't catch it last <laughs> week. <laughs> Please, it's a good win. Do not. Sorry, I, I know. I set her up for her puns. That's oh. that's part of the that, job. Christy
1: knows. Christy has just accepted it. Are it's just, just like sad that y'all
3: that like feed off each other now. <laughs> like, stop feeding into her foolishness, Christy. <laughs> You're better than this. <laughs>
1: You know what? I like to think that uh, it, it's it's a staple on this podcast now. I mean, your really. puns?
3: Heck yeah! Call it
1: what you want to call it. That's a so you know w- a w- call it should, what you want is a Taylor Swift song. It, it, so it, it should be it should be
2: like the high Bob drinking game from the old Bob Hart I Bob Newhart that. show where take every time shot. every time she makes a pun oh. we get a Jess.
1: Please a take a, pun. a shot. And if it's early, I mean, you could coffee. A good one. But, but, but okay. But yeah. here's, here's Anyways, the thing.
2: Sorry. So great <laughs> to have him. But the, but but the going back to the importance of special teams, the fact that Luke Gifford got away, and then of course yeah, Noah Brown was... is gone. Yeah. So two yeah. real stalwarts of your special teams. Sure. And so it's going to be interesting to see which guys uh step up this year and, and try and fill. Those are vacuous holes. Uh especially Luke Gifford and then Noah Brown was a versatile guy too.
3: No, no, you're no you're right. And you talk about when you talked about special teams and gunners and those return guys like it, it is like people don't look at it like that. Like no, mm-hmm. no, Brown plays special teams, y'all. Like uh, Luke Gifford plays special teams, so um, maybe Nashawn Wright and those guys are, are the gentlemen that maybe are gonna step up because they, yeah, Mukwamu. they Mukwamu, mm-hmm. um because they know Bones' system and, and everything. So I, I agree, and I'm, I, I do agree with you also is that hopefully sooner than later with the kicker with yes. the operation of things getting the long snapper in here earlier is important, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, with the kicker, it's, is, yeah. Okay, sorry, I was going to ask a question. I don't want to get into No, it. go yeah. for it. No, no, no. They're, 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 I, don't, I don't know if he's a free agent or not, so I don't who? want to. Who? No, who you mentioned? I got uh, some pulled up here. I think it's Robbie. Is Robbie Gold still? Robbie
2: Gold is still available, and mm. uh, there was some speculation about him going back to Chicago. Of course, yeah. he was in Chicago many years mm-hmm. and holds almost all the kicking records uh, in Chicago. And then, of course, uh, his great years in San Francisco, but it was about a week ago. He was on a podcast or maybe one of the national sure. network interviews and uh you know hey what about going back to chicago and he's like oh yeah i would definitely uh, consider that so
1: yeah he's something but, to but keep he's, he's
2: going to be so much money though cuz matt gay got uh 24 million uh for i'm sorry yeah. four, four years 24 million um i, uh, I got it right here funny. uh four years 22 and a half stays ready look at all yeah. of this. So. well
3: i'm nervous i don't want them to wait like they kind of did like, i mean granted like Maher definitely worked out yeah. and things were great but I remember the stress of and uh, Jonathan Ger- Jonathan Garibay and Lyra. Yeah, Mahmurra. I remember the stress yeah. of like them waiting to training camp and then being like, "Hey, y'all go kick the ball. Wait, don't hit them people over there." Though. Hey, yeah. listen, I'm
2: telling you, at training camp, we, we stand in the end zone, but and so and they set up these uh, tripods mm-hmm. that sure. that have. Um, Data collection on the end of not just video cameras to tape Mm -hmm. uh, practice, but I'm talking about the team. Uh, They have uh, computer chips in their shoulder pads. And so it's GPS tracking. And so Tom Robinson, who's our director of football research, has these uh, tripods set up around the edge of the field, and they collect the data because he has three laptops set up and he's monitoring, basically live streaming the uh, output and distance covered by every player. And so they had these just offset from the goalposts, and Garibay was like, you know, there was one time we're... We didn't get to the ball in time yeah. and it knocked. I'm like, oh, well, there didn't break yeah. the equipment. But it's like, well, that was an expensive missed kick.
1: Well, <laughs> according to Stephen Jones, he said that this is an itch that needs to be scratched. And, you know, to be able to have that consistency within the kicker position is so important. And. For me personally, I would like to see Brett Maher get another chance, whether it be to compete for a spot again. I'm I'm personally not done with Brett Maher, and maybe that's an unpopular opinion, but I think he kept your season afloat, especially when Dak Prescott was out and Cooper Rush was in, maybe adjusting a little bit, which Cooper Rush absolutely did his job, but so did Brett Maher during that stint of time, and he continued to do it. It's just when it mattered the most, he got the yips, he got in his head. It was a it was a mental blockage, if you will. So um, I'm not done with Brett Maher. And I'm really hoping that as time continues on, emotions are getting smaller and smaller, um, eventually hopefully the same conclusion can be met uh for the front office but i think they've made it very clear that that's not the case um speaking of which we're going to go ahead and take our first break we did hear from jerry and steven at this nfl owners meeting and did they close the door on a possible zeke return we're going to talk about that next stay tuned welcome back to girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw the preferred dating partner of the dallas cowboys we're getting into the nfl owners meeting but first let's talk about 2023 youth camps register now for the 2023 dallas cowboys youth camps presented by invisalign athletes ages 6 to 16 are invited to learn from the best this summer at AT at&t stadium or the ford center in the star Frisco. Football camps are led by former NFL players and cheer camps are taught by current Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Save $25 when you sign up for camp by May 12th. Visit dallascowboys.com slash camps for more info there all right ladies let's get into this because the nfl owners meeting took place this week in phoenix arizona and this is when owners coaches league officials all come together really discussion discussing relevant topics um, not only just for this upcoming season just across the board for the nfl in general but we did hear from steven and jerry jones we also heard from mike mccarthy we'll talk about that a little bit later but this was the first time we heard from them since the decision to release Zeke. So everybody obviously very intrigued to ask Jerry specifically. Um, they also asked Steven eventually, but very, very intriguing um, conversation there. So let's get a little bit of a rundown because it was interesting. Jerry ultimately said it came down to cap space. We already knew the price uh, of Zeke's contract was going to be an issue, pretty much a cap casualty, if you will. And um, it, just seeing how things have played out, right decision on their part. But the interesting thing is that both Jerry and Stephen didn't exactly close the door on the conversation of a possible Zeke return. Jerry said, quote, well, that was on the table. He was asked um, uh, uh, if they were close to working things out with Zeke. And he said, well, that was on the table. And you might say to some degree that it hasn't changed and it won't until he signs someplace else. Keep in mind, he was also asked if they offered Zeke anything initially. And he said, No, but he doesn't want to leave fans hanging. He didn't want to leave Zeke hanging, but that he doesn't want to take any possibility off the table. All right? Steven also mentioning that the last thing that they wanted to do with Zeke was insult him with an offer, that, uh, you know, emotions get high when it comes to putting a value on a player. He didn't want to – they didn't want to be insulting to Zeke with any kind of renegotiated deal, but they wanted Zeke to get a feel for what the running back market is right now And that they never rule anything out around here. So let's start with this, because this was an interesting topic on Twitter this week. So, Christy, I'm going to jump over to you real quick. How likely is it that you see possibly, uh, you know, the Cowboys front office entertaining a possible Zeke return, you know, say the end of free agency is coming up. He hasn't really gotten an offer. Um, There were some reports saying that he had his eye on a couple landing spots how likely is it that if you're in that case where Zeke is available, that they snatch him back up?
2: Okay, you say in this case, if this were a legal case and I were doing a rebuttal, here sure. are my two pieces of evidence. Go ahead. In the Cowboys Pro Shops, the number 21 Zeke jerseys are 60% off. Oof. And uh, Stefan Gilmore, your new cornerback that yep. you just traded for, was issued number 21. Case closed.
1: Oh, there you go. That was quick and easy. All right, Aisha, are you going to play devil's advocate? I mean, he said he won who's number fi- – do we have a number 15? 15. I don't think so.
3: Uh, I don't think so no. either. He said he would take number 15. but Yeah, me- he which is his old Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. and yeah.
2: and that they were saying, oh, that could be available in Philadelphia, you know, all these Uh-oh. kinds of things, playing mm-hmm. the numbers
3: game. No, I Gross. think bringing in uh, Rojo from the Chiefs, I feel like bringing him in just kind of changes the trajectory. The Trajectory, I guess, of what the uh running back room is going to look like, and with Ezekiel Elliott, I feel like at this point, the conversation the Cowboys kind of seem like they're at a point to where I, besides Jerry and them talking, like they're kind of it's been kind of quiet, like yeah. I, the distract, like. The, I feel like it could become a thing. Will with Greer him is being, number
1: fifteen, by the way. Oh,
3: Okay, thank you. Fix me. Okay, well, that was Jazzy. There you go. Make your point a little bit more, even like <laughs> because he can't even have a second number. But I just I I, I feel like the Cowboys also too are just um, they're trying to. It, it seems. How do I say this? I think that they want to um, simplify things and just kind of how things run. And I, I, with Tony Pollard being the guy and then franchise tagging him, I think that really showed where they view Tony Pollard in comparison to Zeke. And with how the league is also changing with the running back position, he, Zeke and other runners like him are going to, to me, continue to have these type of issues with trying to fit into – fit into what offenses are starting to do now. It's like, are you, are you what what do you bring to another team and how often do you do it? And so mm. the Cowboys always are talking about productivity and stuff like that. I also so I'm just um I think I went through the emotions already. I think I felt let myself feel the emotions of yep. Ezekiel Elliott not being here anymore and with you also don't want it to stall like what's happening within that locker room them trying to progress forward and and become a different team or just how they do things differently as an offense may be moving forward also yeah and and just when i was offering
2: those couple of examples in in rebuttal uh it's not because i don't want zeke i think it could still be a valuable part but here's the thing we're talking
1: from a logical standpoint. yeah and and here's
2: in from a logical standpoint if he's not a featured runner and I still say, you, you mentioned Ronald Jones, Rojo, you, you still need that jab, mm-hmm. right, so that Pollard can be the haymaker. But when you don't have the featured runner, that person needs to contribute and other things. Generally, your backup running backs contribute on special teams, and Zeke's not yeah. a special teams player. Yeah. That's
1: great. That's, That's important. Great That's
3: important. That's important to, to mention. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, you know, uh, Stephen was asked about, hey, how how do you uphold the system that was really created and worked? essentially with the one-two punch with Zeke and Tony without Zeke. And he said, I want a perfect world. I want a big back uh, who's going to really take um, that role. To be the jab. Exactly. So um, yeah, I I don't see it happening per se. I, I think the door is closed on that. And it's, it's a sad chapter that Cowboys fans are absolutely allowed to feel sad about. But You have to progress and you have to continue to move forward. So, I think at that point, when you're talking about a timeline standpoint, things are going to already starting to, or they're already starting to be established without Zeke in the locker room. I think bringing him back would just kind of mix things up. And not because Zeke would act anyway, or I'm not implying anything like that. But once you have a system in place, that's kind of what it is, and there's no need to look back. But uh, they were also both asked about. Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, of course, they were asked about being more aggressive this offseason and if there was a different approach taken. Stephen Jones said it's season and opportunity. Things are just falling into place and that when these kind of trades work, it has to work from a business standpoint in terms of if they fit with the team and in terms of compensation, especially uh, for the player. But he, he made sure to mention, despite what people think, they always entertain the talk of trades. Things just have to work out and they have uh, this free agency. So... You know, I think these big splashes you're seeing aren't necessarily something new, but it was bless you, it's very solidified. Bless you times two. It was very solidified when um Steven said, you know, <clears> things just have to work out. I think this is a Cowboys team that has been so close the the past 2 years to feeling what it is to get past that 25-year hurdle. They're this close and so I don't think necessarily it's the front office being more aggressive, but it's more intriguing to come to the Dallas Cowboys, who has been, who have been over 12 wins, if not 12 wins, two seasons in a row, the first time since the 90s. And you have a coach like Mike McCarthy. You have a defensive coordinator like Dan Quinn. And then you have Brian Schottenheimer coming in here uh, who has that history with Mike McCarthy with that West Coast uh, offense. And so – it's intriguing I think more so now than ever for players to want to come to Dallas I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with something more that the front office is doing but it's it's been a great and successful offseason I think Jonathan Hankins was your last piece of the puzzle that you said all right anything after this and you need a kicker obviously but anything after this is going to be an addition at this point and um it, it's been very good. Yeah,
2: because because by bringing back Donovan Wilson, Van Der Esch, um, adding uh, Gilmore and Brandon Cooks, you don't have to reach now in the yeah. draft, Yep. right? You, all this, You're not solely
1: all... depending on the draft.
2: Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so another thing, and I'm going to open this one up for, for discussion because it's a big topic And it's still one of those shaky ground kind of situations with the Cowboys right now is the O-line and what that's going to look like uh, going forward. So Stephen's answer to that was, well, it's the best five guys that you got. Jerry said, as of right now, he sees Terrence Steele, who, keep in mind, is recovering from injury. He did post a a workout video, looked great. Um, But he said he sees Terrence Steele as a swing tackle, providing depth for Tyron and Tyler Smith. But there was some debate over this because just the order of your O-line right now, what it's going to look like, health standpoint. So I'm going to open this up. Ladies, what is your ideal O-line? Who is where? What looks like what? And where, where do they go from here? Where do they draft? Where do they develop? Where do they grab someone in free agency if they can? Aisha, I'm going to go to you for this one, our draft queen over wow. here.
3: I just think Terrence Steele ain't no swing tackle. Oh yeah, he's Person, your he's yeah. your starting right tackle. Yeah, if, if like, he's if he's healthy, he's if, starting he's, right if he's healthy. Um, listen, man, there's a lot of folks that think Tyler Smith would be a fantastic guard. I mean, sure, like I got to see him play guard a couple of times. I thought he was successful there, but what he can what he did at tackle with just being inserted the way he was and just kind of how he had to he went up against some of the best pass rushers in the game to start the yeah. season and just. I'm just—I I, I like that Tyler can take it on the chin. He's such a—he's, like—he's he's versatile in that way. He's a hard worker to where he's not going to complain. He's going to go to a different place. I'm just like, just sit him somewhere and leave him there, please. So for me, I—and with with and also with Tyron, like, we cannot at this point, like, we cannot just— Think that he's gonna be healthy the whole season? Like the whole, exactly. it's just kind of irrational. Like Cowboys fans banged on the table for years. It feels like actually for a Tyron replacement, and you have one, and then it's like move him, move him around, put him somewhere else. Like, and so to me, if you are going to have the the starting five, I think people would say it's Tyron not being. If Tyron is healthy, then yes, him at left tackle, Tyler. At, I don't want Tyler at left guard, but if if that's what you needed to do, then Tyler at left guard. If you haven't replaced him, haven't replaced uh, Connor McGovern, because that's when we didn't talk that, about yeah, McGovern. Yeah, it's, it's sure. a bigger deal than it's people a bigger think. deal than what people think. And mm-hmm. they brought in uh, Chuma Edoga, um, and so and he's a guard. So I don't know if he's going to back up there or if they are going to see him compete and see if he is, you know, liable to be a starting guard there or whatever. So yeah, for me, um, there's been a lot of talk about the draft and. Are they gonna go guard? And are they gonna there are some guards in this, this draft that could come in and be plug and play guys, but there's far more tackles in this draft mm. that can come in and be plug and play guys. So I I guess it just depends on what they what they decide. You got a new offensive line coach and Mike Solari. Mm-hmm. This might have something to do with his style of offensive line play and what they do done. But I can tell you one thing. I don't know a whole bunch. But I know Terrence Steele should be your starting right tackle.
1: And to your point, too, about Chuma, um, we're going to jump into Mike McCarthy in our next segment. But he did mention that he does see Chuma as a guard and a tackle, but he would probably start him if at left guard based on the film he has and the capability of um, He does see him as a starter, but things haven't started up yet for Mike McCarthy to be able to confirm that. And back to your point about Tyron Smith not staying healthy, the last time he played a full season was back in 2015, y'all. That is a large time gap to where he's played every single game in the regular season because after that 2016 he played 13 games 2017 13 games all the way until 2018 he played or excuse me 2019 he played 13 games 2020 he played two games 2021 he played 11 and then last season he played four so and that's not including uh playoff runs either that's just your regular season stats but Christy what is your What is your take on this O-line debate and kind of where guys need to be shuffled? Where do you think Tyler Smith specifically, being your young guy who is now no longer a rookie, do you get him solidified in a spot so he can really rest there for his career what, what do you see them doing with Tyler Smith specifically because he showed that versatility? Yeah, I'm season.
2: I'm with you both. And, and Aisha's point of get, put him in a spot and park him in an ideal world. If we played in Utopia instead of the NFL, that's absolutely <laughs> what, what you would do. But um, kind of, a, I won't say embarrassment of riches because that will jinx it, but... We're trying oh man, should it be Tyron Smith or Tyler Smith? And and I mean yeah, how many teams have that problem? Sure. You know? So so you have to, to, you know, take a macro view and say, This is a good situation at tackle. But here's the thing, they're all gonna end up playing because mm. yes. you're not gonna get through a seventeen game season. I know we're gonna talk a little more in yep. the next session. Uh, next section about all these possible Thursday night football games and drive me crazy but here's the thing um, everyone's going to get a chance if I had to make a prediction my prediction would be that Tyler Smith is at guard and Tyron is at left tackle uh, to start the season and that's assuming that Terrence Mm. Steele is able to play uh, at right tackle um, to start the season so um, but I think Aisha made a great point about Tyler Smith's diligence the fact that he was able to do that as a rookie last year and we forget that Tyron his injury came at the end of towards the end of camp and Tyler had taken his reps at left guard and then steps in for the regular season at left tackle yeah how did he not get more consideration for rookie of the year now it's because he plays (laughs) offensive line and not um, you know one of the so-called skill positions but um if I had to make a prediction, I would say that if Tyron is, is healthy, I wouldn't be surprised that he's in there because sure. who's who's your better left guard, Tyler Smith or Adoma? Tyler. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's, or
3: so, or that's, they're so, going to battle it out. Like, yeah, or, they could. But, but which would be, what, that would make me mad though, high key. It would make me mad if they made. Tyler compete for a left guard spot sure. again he
1: earned it he's earned his it would position. make me mad if yeah. you
3: moving him back there because you want Tyron to play left tackle don't make me mad yeah, no but here's <laughs> the thing
2: but, 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 wait Let's a minute breathe. don't Let's we breathe. don't we
3: want our five best players out yeah there? you do you it, do so want the five best players out there but there were several instances last year like Personally, I didn't think McGovern was a better guard. Would have sure. been a better guard than Tyler was last year. Maybe with the communication and Tyler being young or whatever. But as a player, as a as a with with the physicality and stuff that Ty, that Tyler brought to the guard position, I thought that he and McGovern were two dope, different things. And then, but he was the starter.
1: Yeah. So to
3: me, like, I, I just I think it would be unfair to him. I understand competition is healthy, but I think you're sending the wrong message. If you mm. move him back to guard, and then you not only that, you'd be like, go compete for it too. Like what yeah. the heck? Like I'm no offense. Like this is a first round draft pick, and you've asked a lot of him. So I, th- I would think I would get a little frustrated personally.
1: Yeah, sure. And not only that, but back to Christie's point of when Tyron got injured right at training camp, it was at the star. we we've, we've talked about that here and how you could hear kind of a snap when it happened and Mm. and he walked off I do not know how he did that but the day before you cannot make this up Mike McCarthy had come out and said about Tyler Smith where things stand right now he probably wouldn't be a starter in that starting position because he just needs a lot of work done and he needs a lot more you know practice time and then look at the season he had I mean straight out of a storybook there. But real quick, um, I did want to mention before we end this segment, moving on to the next one, um, is both Jerry and Steven were asked about Brandon Cooks and the addition of that veteran wide receiver role that everybody has been waiting for, that splash uh, in, in your wide receiver core there. And Jerry was specifically asked if Cooks essentially will fill that void of Amari Cooper uh I I feel like the ghost of the Cowboys past is, is Amari Cooper and his name just keeps getting brought up but uh Jerry said what you want Cooks to do is what Amari did for the overall passing game not only in the production which you counted on with Amari but also the room he has opened up for other receivers and those two things because Cooks speed and because of his route ability he does that for us so um, it looks like Jerry is very high on Brandon Cooks. Keep in mind, uh, the Cowboys did have their eyes on them, on him rather, last season um, because of wide receivers coach Robert Prince, who worked with Cooks back in 2021 as his wide receiver coach in Houston. So. Overall, it seems like things are on the up and up for the Cowboys offense. But uh, coming up after the break, we're going to hear from head coach Mike McCarthy, what he had to say about Cooks and a lot more as well. Christy alluded to Thursday Night Football. Is that going to be another ghost of the NFL past? We'll talk about it after the break.
3: At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger.
0: What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open.
3: Angel Food Slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day.
1: To girls talk, boys talk. Presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk a little bit of NFL owners' meeting, but first, get a behind-the-scenes look at all things Dallas Cowboys with tours of AT&T Stadium and the Star, presented by SeatGeek. Check out the locker rooms, playing fields, Super Bowl memorabilia, and even more. Get your tickets today at DallasCowboys.com/tours. All right, real quick, let's do a rundown of what Mike McCarthy had to say at the NFL owners meeting. This was his first appearance at an NFL owners meeting since 2018. So a little bit of an interesting tidbit that he mentioned there. Let's just run down this because I really want to get into this Thursday night football conversation with y'all. So as far as Brandon Cooks, he said... Uh, this is something we had mentioned on this podcast a couple weeks ago when the Brandon Cooks signing did happen, that it's beneficial that Brandon Cooks has jumped from scheme to scheme because it broadens your football education, so confirmed. Girls talk, boys talk, we do in fact know what we're talking about here. (laughs) Um, They uh, Going down this, I just made a little list of bullet points here. They want to be better in protecting Dak Prescott. That is a goal that Mike McCarthy mentioned that he wants better protection for Dak. He also wants uh, an abundance a 70 percent completion percentage for this upcoming season he said they that they were about 68 percent uh last season so he wants want to that to be above 70 um as for a zeke replacement and and how this is going to operate without zeke he said that the way they're breaking it down is they're looking where touches of the ball go so whether that be to receivers to tight ends to a new back to tony Pollard, whoever. It's just going to come down to breaking down where those touches go, not necessarily finding a guy to to take on that load that Zeke was taking on. So I thought that was interesting. He also talked about Chuma Idoga, uh, like we had said earlier, and how he sees him as a guard and a tackle, but probably uh, looking at more of a left guard situation for him there. Okay, so let's go into Thursday night football, that conversation right now. Um, that happened at the NFL owners meeting. Christy, I'm going to let you steer the bus on this one. What exactly is the update with this? Okay,
2: so here's the issue. Amazon pays all this money to the NFL for Thursday night games to be streamed. And when the schedule is set, man, what a great set of games that they have for Thursday night football, except real life happens. And you have, like, the defending champion Rams, with you know, who are bad this year because of injuries. It, there ended up being some dog games on Thursday night, okay? So uh, under consideration at the owners' meeting was flex scheduling towards the end of the season for Thursday night football, which means that all of us who have bought tickets and are bringing our family to a game, let's say it's in December – and it's a Christmas present or whatever, your game uh, could be flexed to Thursday night, okay? And there would be a 15-day notice. So uh, basically you get just over two weeks to know the coaches, the facilities, the ticket buyers, everything that you could be moved not just from a Sunday afternoon at noon or 325 to a Sunday night game, but moved to a different calendar day. So what has happened is the owners have uh, basically put it off. They didn't vote on it uh, this week, you know, making a final decision on flex scheduling at the owners' meetings in Phoenix this week. They've tabled it and can pick it up at another time. But one thing they did uh, approve was having multiple Thursday night games for a team. OK, so right now in the past, you could have like one Thursday night game and they basically doubled that. So, um, Aisha, I think that you and I are on the same page here. Uh, safe to say that we are not fans of Thursday yeah. night football.
3: No, I'm not excited about it. I, I think we're at a point to where um, players have willfully, I mean, you saw on social media actually with the announcement um, yeah. that they are at a point to where they've expressed like, hey this is difficult, this is hard on our bodies, this is a hard turnaround. And we've gotten more than enough evidence to see that. Personally, I mean, I can say about me and Jess, this is our first time actually being in a locker room and kind of being around a team and seeing, like, what they go through on a weekly basis to prepare for a game and it's not just practice it's treatments it's rehab it's it's a mental also a mental and emotional thing told that this game takes on you and to know the guys are gonna have to get up turn around there's been countless injuries on Thursday night football I am very frustrated at this point with um with the possibility that that could happen and even more frustrated with how many times the Cowboys do play in prime time that this is very much so a, a possible possibility for them to be one of the teams that do get yeah. flexed or has to get moved to a Thursday night games for <laughs> when numbers you're, sake
1: when you're talking about the most valuable sports franchise in all of sports naturally the Cowboys drive views I mean that's that's part of being the it's Dallas dangerous. Cowboys. Yeah. All and eyes are on you. So, and and here, here's the thing, yeah. Jess.
2: Your Thursday uh, Thanksgiving Day game doesn't really count towards that. Okay, right, exactly. Now, the last couple years, the Cowboys have not had the Thursday to Thursday back-to-back Thanksgiving and then the following mm. Thursday. We did that for several years. Hadn't done it for a couple. But here's the thing, and I'm going to give credit to Brooke Pryor of ESPN, uh, who points this out. And I'm going to read directly from her uh, note here to give her uh, full credit. While NFL owners opted not to vote on a rule that allows games to be flexed into a Thursday night kickoff, they agreed this week to modify the existing rule and allow teams to play a maximum of two short-week games. But here's, here's the addition. That means that while some te- some teams could play two Thursday night games, others would not have any. Now, wait a minute. You've got some teams that are having <sighs> no. to play two short weeks. And it's not just the physical part that Aisha talks about. The NFL will say that, that injuries, you know, th- that they have data that shows that there aren't necessarily more injuries on a Thursday game than a Sunday game. Well, first of all, if you're hurt – it's a short week a lot of those guys don't even get on the field for sure. a Thursday so it wouldn't count necessarily yeah. towards that data but it's a short prep week travel it's unfair to yep. the um uh Everybody. road team yep. it's not high quality football yeah. you're not putting the bet uh product out sure. there but here's the thing back-to-back thursday night games such as a thanksgiving day game followed by a thursday night game the next week would only count as one short week game so some teams could end up playing three thursday oh, games in a season nope. and to i mean points others to your, don't have and to. to your point uh just with the visibility of the cowboys yeah of course amazon would want to uh as many cowboy games as they could get
1: and you know, I think when you look at Thursdays and specifically the wear and tear it has on the the team that is traveling, it doesn't seem like a big deal to jump from time zone to time zone. But when you're taking guys to an East Coast time zone or a West Coast time zone, that messes with your internal clock. I mean, anybody, whether you're playing football or not, that is a very hard adjustment to make on a short week where you didn't get an, um, as much practice as you're used to. You didn't get the mental reset that you're used to getting between games. And those things, when you if you could see it back-to-back like that, that's not healthy. And um, I really hope this is something that they – Decide to turn around because just for the safety of everybody and, you know, the players health and we always talk about their their career post football. It's so important to prioritize things like that. And this is
2: why I hope that the NFLPA really stands up on this. one. They need to really stand up. But here's the thing it's all it all comes down to money <laughs> and so when you can get more money the league then the players get more too because they get a p- portion of that pie so it's going to have to be up to the players to say hey we we are prioritizing sure. this over the money yeah. Yeah.
1: and real quick too we are basically out of time but i did want to get uh possible rule changes for special teams and the latest on the sale of the commanders if you want to run down that those two real quick
2: yeah just some thoughts that uh on pun- the fair catching uh on 10 pun- touchbacks the ball would be at the 25 yard line mm. instead of the 20 yard line and so um, th- th- the thought is that there would be more uh fair catches and it would reduce uh the number of uh injuries because there would be fewer returns. So uh, statistically, uh, the play that has the most injuries is uh, punt returns. So kicking game is dangerous. And so are there Hmm. some things that they can do to make it less dangerous? um, And the other thing is uh, it would also encourage teams on offense, like you're at midfield or just pass. Should we go for it on fourth down? Well, if you punt and it's fair caught – or goes in the end zone, if the ball's going to be at the 25-yard line instead of the 20, it would incentivize you to go for it on fourth down, like say you're fourth and three at the 45-yard line or fourth and six. So that's that's some thought there, too. And
1: then the latest on the sale of the Washington Commanders. Well, now
2: it looks like so Dan Snyder, who swore he wouldn't uh, sell to Jeff Bezos, it's possible that uh, Bezos is Mm. back in the picture there. And it sounds like if Dan Snyder really wants this, the the six billion dollars, then he's going to have to get over that uh, hostility with Bezos.
1: Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Christy. That was great insight um, there. And so we have come to... To the end of our Thursday edition of Girls Talk, Boys Talk, we appreciate you all so so much uh, for tuning in every week. For Christy Scales, Aisha Morris, and I'm Jess Navarrez. Have a great rest of your week. Go make the whole place shimmer. Yes, that was a Taylor Swift reference. Be safe, and we will see you next week.
0: <laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!